Welcome to this week's episode. I'm Jeffrey Biesecker, soulful business and leadership coach. Joining us today is client leader, business mentor, and coach Alex Kuhn. We share a conversation exploring how a career as a collegiate swim coach taught him the business and life skills needed to stay afloat, weathering stormy seas. On this episode of The Like Inside. Thank you for taking a moment to tune into this week's episode of The Light Inside. Join us on the adventures, the tales, and the search for truths as we explore the people, the stories that guide us to The Light Inside. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Light Inside and visit us at thelightinside.us. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Alex Kuhn joining us. Hello, Alex. How are you today? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. Thanks for your time today. I'm super stoked for this conversation, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. Super excited to look at your background. Now, you have a career as a competitive swimmer. I'm an open book, you know, maybe for better or for worse. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but I'm definitely uh, an open book. You know, my wife might ask me to like say, well, maybe you shouldn't share those things, but I say, you know what people it's, you know, that's what people want. And that's what I, and that's what I would want. You know, if it was me, I'd want to know the, the, the dirt and the, the glory behind it. So uh, yeah, absolutely. It's that authentic nature. So, you know, gotta be true to yourself. <laughs> Well, on that note, I'm going to kick off. Um, what are you currently focused on in your career? And can you give us a five-minute elevator pitch? Ooh, five minutes. Usually, you know, I'm really good at the 10 seconds or the, the five-hour pitch. So whichever one, but the ten, five minutes is a little tough for me. But, you know, right now, I mean, very specifically, I have, you know, going back to just uh, what's uh, the name of the newest program we built called Born to Lead, you know, leadership has always just been something I've always gravitated to personally. And it's the type of people that I've just been very fortunate to work with in so many different arenas in my life, whether it was my first career out of college as a college swim coach, whether it was, you know, my first business to today now where I work with, you know, so many incredible purpose-driven entrepreneurs and coaches all over the world. You know, we have a list of, I think we have like 12,000 on our list as of today. And, you know, it's just amazing the emails I get, but, you know, I really believe that the at the end of the day, everybody, the, the message I'm hearing out there more often than not is that, you know, there's funnels and marketing and you've got to have the right, you know, 30 second commercials. And, you know, I, when I look at people that are really successful in business and the times that, you know, I've had three failed businesses, I've had two businesses, I've sold myself and this, this, my new venture, my personal brand is going incredibly well. I found that it's when I really have risen up and stepped into the leadership role that I was meant to be and really stepped into what those values are, but more importantly, have built the business around what I excel in. And that's what I want to make sure that people, whether they're at the solopreneur level or the people I work with that are in Fortune 500 companies, that at the end of the day, the more that we can enhance the leadership of the people that are in our companies, that are in ourselves, 
the more likely that the quote unquote business will start to thrive both in terms of impact and income. So today, right now, like specifically, my biggest focus is, you know, this is full time. I've got a wonderful team of four people who I just adore and love and they support me, um, you know, from Susan. And of course, I've got an incredible, you know, wife and I've got a, a beautiful 14 month old. So really, I tell people that my life is boring in a lot of ways, but it's enjoyable for me because yes, I do my work. I love working with those leaders, but I also get to go home and spend some time with my 14 month old who surprisingly loves brushing his teeth. I don't know how that <laughs> happened, so, but he does it, you know, spend time with my wonderful wife and go enjoy and work out. So that's really the focus in, and for, I think everybody who's listening to this and, you know, I tell everybody we're, we're, I'm very grateful with everything that's happening with the coronavirus and everybody's having the pandemic. You know, my, everybody in our circle is safe, healthy, and well. And so anybody's listening, I hope that they're safe, healthy, and well, most importantly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's looking at perspectives in life, you know, and I think it's kind of key in, in building success and happiness in any way, you know, is what, where is our perspective at and where does that lie? You know, uh, you know, how are we going to take this situation and make lemonade out of that? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's got to be an Ohio saying for that. There's got to be something like, oh, the fuck guy, you know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you to come up with that statement there. I feel like that would be a good one. Well, I, I'm kind of becoming known somewhat as the king of the catchphrase. You know, I'm always finding a little angle to kind of massage something or come up with a unique spin on that. And invariably, every time I turn around, something like that's cropping up. So yeah, there, there may be some truth to that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it there. I Well, I know when I met you, I just have seen, you know, uh, I just, I think, man, like this guy is probably smiling 24 seven. Like I can't imagine. When, I'm sure we, I know we're all down. And I know people say that about me, but I'm like, Here's, here's Jeffrey, man. He's, he's just, he's, he's happy. He's moving. He's grooving. He's making a difference. That's, that's why I'm like really happy. Really. I'm happy to be here because you know how it is. I mean, you, there's so many, it just, there's a lot of incredible people out there. Um, but there's a lot of people that you can tell they just aren't really being their true selves. And that's what I really appreciate. Even just in the yeah. short conversation yeah. we had before today. You know, it's, I think we all kind of relate on what level of where we're at, you know, it's, it's kind of our nature, I think. I think so. I, you think know, so, yeah. I, I try not to be one to, to make pre-assumptions, you know, but you, you kind of go with the flow of things a lot of time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's much and, you know, it comes in so many facets. And like I said, you know, whether I was a swimmer or, you know, whether, you know, when my husband, when I'm in like, you know, I talk about being a husband, when I'm in the flow as a husband, right. I'm, yeah. I, it's just like, it's natural, right. Like, and it's like, it's almost like, I, okay, I don't have to force myself. I'm just kind of picking things up, cleaning things up. Like I'm like, Oh, my wife is intuitively going to want this. And then when I can tell, you know, we're just not doing well, it's like, Oh my gosh, what, what do I need to do next? How can I help? How can I be a better husband? And you're trying to figure out what that is. And there, there is just that little slight difference that when you kind of are in your own zone, everything just seems to flow, whether it's being a better husband, being a better business owner, being a better athlete, whatever that looks like. So yeah, flow to me is really finding what works well for you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's important to get in that groove and kind of find your way into the zone. Uh, you know, that's interesting. You brought up your college coaching career. Uh, that's, that's something when I did a little bit of background on you, you know, I discovered that, you know, you come from that source. Let's talk about that a little bit. What can you tell us about your background as a swimmer and as a swim coach at the college level? You were at Grinnell College, correct? How'd that lead you toward your coaching career and your leadership career? I 
you know, I think it was almost natural without, you know, I think there was Steve Jobs one time said that you can't uh, connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backward. So true. I look at that time in my career where I was, I I was a really good swimmer and I had Olympic aspirations and I'm not going to lie at the end of my senior year, I was heartbroken from swimming. Like I didn't, yeah, I actually had my worst meet, I think in like a decade, my last meet and I was heartbroken. And I don't know if that, that rage and uh, disappointment kind of shifted my sense, like, well, there's unfinished business. But I, I do feel like at the end of my college career, I had an opportunity to go work with Nike and go work in the marketing department. And it, was, it sounded like a dream come true position. Or I could go be an assistant coach at a small liberal arts college in Iowa and, you know, make barely enough money to afford peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And for some reason, my gut just said, go for the assistant coaching position. I've always just gravitated towards leadership positions. You know, it's kind of like when the teacher in the class said, does you need any volunteer? They'd be the first person to raise their hand. Cause I always just wanted to do things. I always wanted to be active. And that's why I always kind of felt what leaders were all about. They, they, they kind of picked up the slack. They, they let their actions speak louder than words. And so even just getting into the career, I think it just was always a natural fit for me. Coaching and helping and serving and teaching and leading has always just been a natural fit for me. I was never, I'll be truthful, I was never a great corporate person. Never was a great corporate person. Uh, like I'm a great employee by any means. And, uh, you know, my, my initial thought going into the career was, I'm going to stay here for one year. It'll be fun. I'm 21, 22. I can say, listen, I lived in Iowa for one year. Who does that? That's, you know, coming from Pittsburgh and Maryland and New York area. But uh, I ended up staying there three years as an assistant. Oh, yeah, wow. I stayed there for three wow. years and uh, built a really strong reputation as, and as one of the top assistant coaches and a big time recruiter. And I actually moved on to, I always talk about culture so much with clients. And the yeah. reason is because is yeah. my two head coaching experiences where you basically, you know, I would love to say like you took the programs that were losing and had no wins yeah. and you took them to the top and you know, that's great. But the two programs are so different. You know, the first, my first head coaching program was an all women's college in Virginia that had 600 students. The school colors were pink and green. The mascot was a vixen. I mean, you not, do not look at this school and you think of athletic success. And we were helped to able to shift that in two years. And then the other school I had was in Los Angeles on one of the most beautiful campuses in the Mecca of the swimming world one of the top colleges, one of the most beautiful campuses, every academic possibility that you could want. And, you know, that was a program that had a really poor mindset and a really poor attitude around it. And we made some major shifts in two years. And I think it's just a big lesson that, you know, leadership needs to have that adaptability. Yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at that angle, you know, you're looking at those three big C's, culture, climate, and community, you know, and those create a vehicle for success. You know, and connect us on a bigger level. So, you know, ultimately as, as a unit, we work better. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for those times. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, my, my wife always asks, like, do you ever miss coaching swimming? And I'm like, okay, I have my moments. I have my moments. But I also, you know, knew at when the, when the time was right, it was time to move on to a different challenge. And I think that's all, that every person has that. That's a uh, rivet. Yeah. You know, and what's it go? You know, we work through those phases, you know, and ultimately all those dots connect. Like you said, we don't see all those dots till we look back and, and see where we've been. Those changes move us forward. Yeah, they do. And and I 
look at that, that, that learning and training. And the, I think we all know that, you know, even as the, the world has kind of come still, I think the one thing we learn is, is that, man, people are just so important. And whether you're thinking about business, I mean, we know, we understand the skill of being able to manage and motivate and inspire and to guide and to teach. You know, we're seeing that now as, as, more important than ever because people are struggling. They think, wow, like it's so much, it's such a different model when you're doing it through a Zoom call versus when you're doing it in person. But people recognize that importance of it. And looking back at all those years, I didn't realize the the training I was going to get from, you know, obviously working with swimmers (laughs) hand, hand in hand, but also more importantly, how do you motivate one of the top athletes in the world to come check out your school on a telephone call because we were restricted. We weren't really allowed to do social media at the time. We weren't allowed to do text messaging. There was like these major NCAA restrictions at the time where basically it was an email and phone call. And if you couldn't really get a, a build a connection with almost a faceless interaction, then you had no chance, specifically if you're trying to build a program. At the time. Yeah, that really kind of forces you to focus in on your efficiency of communication, I would imagine. Always. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me personally, I think it really does come down to, uh, we even talked about this, you know, and that's why I see about you, right? One is just not only being vulnerable about yourself, but two, really truly caring about the other person, not that superficial, yeah. you know, I want to know about your feelings. I really care about you. And then you ne- never hear from the person. But, you know, I, I was actually talking to one of my former swimmers this morning and we were, uh, she was one of those individuals who, you know, very tragically, you know, she lost her mom. Uh, during our recruiting process. And I just felt, you know, so bad. And obviously we, you know, I would talk with her and the realtor and, you know, she was, you know, all by herself. I mean, that was one of the reasons probably she came to the school, but it didn't matter. Like she's just a, she was a great student athlete. She was a great individual. You know, that is just something that no one should ever have to go through by themselves. But I think that that type of human connection is not about like how it benefits you. It's just really saying that's what's the right thing to do. You know, that, that happens so often or should happen so often in life. What, what is the right reaction to this? And, you know, it's a great angle to look at. Um, I find myself a lot of times both interacting with uh, clients and interacting business in general, or even, you know, in the social media realm, watching people and how they communicate. You know, I, I, I am a great people watcher mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm ultimately and endlessly fascinated with the angle of studying people you know, on every level, how we communicate, how we connect, you know, how we evolve, how we react. You know, there's so many different angles you can look at both on the conscious and subconscious level. And it it serves as a constant source of inspiration for me to kind of look, not not from a judgmental angle, but from a learning angle. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about that, I mean, obviously you work with people and you've been successful in many industries. I mean, what, what's, I don't know if there's a go-to strategy you used to, I mean, I don't think I have one myself, but I'm just curious, you know, I'm, just, uh, well, what, what's your like way of connecting I, with people? Like, how do you like to interact? Yeah, you know, I like to try to establish that you're coming from that authentic place. You know, what is your purpose and intent? You know, and so many times I think we rush that interaction. You know, we rush to connect. We, we rush to judgments consciously and subconsciously. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is removing that pressure to actually connect with somebody and make sure you're coming up from a level of preparedness and not just, you know, so you have your speech down, so you have your line down, but just that you're open, mm. be open. Yeah. You know, when you connect, if you're busy, be honest, you know, be honest. I, I'm busy. Maybe now is not the proper time. 
Um, you know, I, I've heard some great talks on that lately that, you know, it, it's not always the best thing the way we kind of cram our schedules full and then try to rush to meet those demands and communicate. You know, if we're at a time where you're busy and you can't hear, the, the polite thing and, and the, the best thing to me is to say, hey, now is maybe not the best time. Can we reschedule this? You know, I hear you. I see you. I acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's engage when it's it's genuine and authentic. Yeah, I think that's it's important. I think that whole honesty piece and it comes back to what you just exactly said is that just really being fully transparent and really fully open in that conversation. And more often I think about the, 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 the people in my world, whether they're, they're clients or friends or uh, partners or any facet of my life. I mean, the best people I have a relationship with is really just a relationship of, wow, this is a person that I feel a sense of loyalty to for many reasons. And a lot of the reasons is because of how they opened up to me and how they communicate with me and how they appreciate the conversation. And it wasn't always, you know, a lot of times I think we think of these connections as I hear this all the time. It's like, it's gotta be the fit. And we think of this as like love at first sight, or it has to be this instant, like, Oh, we get along great. And that's awesome. And listen, I always tell people like one of my best friends, Jason, he's a, he's a high introvert. I mean, he is a guy who gets in front of a a group of people and he starts sweating under his (laughs) armpits. He's like, ah, like it's like freaks him out. So like, you know, that's you, you're not going to, it's not natural for you, but you know, haven't seen Jason. He's just the best guy in the world. He's literally truly one of the people I, I go to for anything. It's just because at the end of the day, they keep showing up. And I, I love that. What you just said about the idea of staying consistent. Yeah. You know, I think that's a key right there. Show up, not just, are we showing up? How are we showing up? And you know, at what place are we meeting somebody? What place does our path intersect here? And not so much about what the cause and effect is just, you know, where are we in this moment? Yeah. I, yeah. And that's a thing, especially right now in the the world that we're in, we have, what's the right thing? I mean, there's so, I think there's a dichotomy of perspective of what's the right thing and the wrong thing. And the reality is, is that's okay. If you're showing up today and not feeling it or struggling or caught up, and, you know, some of the, the craziness, you know, that's okay. It's hopefully that's a, gives yourself a time and space to really let yourself cool off. And I see people that are using this moment to say, it's an opportunity. I have time. I have the, this, this is a great time for me to really work on something I haven't worked on. That's great too. But I do love the idea of showing up as you are. And that to me is, that's what I, that's to me what I love about I shouldn't say people in general. It's just that it's great when people open up. It's great when people are real. It's great when people are. I mean, obviously we met on Instagram. Yeah. One of the reasons I think we met on Instagram is because, hey, this is a real person (laughs) on Instagram. This is a real guy. He's he's legit. He's real. He's a good person. I can, I know who he is. That's, that to me is purely connection, regardless if it's like a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. You know, I engaged in that in an episode just last week, you know, it's, how often are we getting real reactions and responses on social media? You know, how often are we even getting a real person to begin with? But then how often are we coming in with a pitch? How often do we come in with an angle or how often are we just open to invite that person into our world? Mm -hmm. I was 
I'll give a shout out to my coach, Abby. And uh, I don't know if this is, and I'm not sure if I think it's a male or female thing, but she did say something to me. She challenged me the other day and saying, listen, I don't know why all you men just don't sit down and have one-on-one conversations. She's like, all of us women, we're happy just to have one-on-one conversations all the time. Like, she's like, I don't know if there's like this, this uh, a, a greater need to have community. And I'm not saying I have the answer. I just know that what she was saying to me is that there is this need to just have people come into our world. And it doesn't mean that people have to come in and stick in our worlds for life. I think that's one of the big things. Like it's yeah. not like going on a first date and expecting the, to <laughs> find the person you're going to marry. I don't think any of us, most of us don't think that way. But yet sometimes I think when we think of people that want to sit down and have business conversations, it's almost the person who, and you can feel that. I mean, we've all got those direct messages, yeah. or like yeah. messages where it's like, yeah. here's like 15 paragraphs of how amazing your lead gen is. And like this, and it's like, Dude, like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to read that. I'm never going to read that first off and I'm never going to respond back to you. But the person that says, Hey, how's it going? I'm almost more likely to like say, Hey, what's up? Just because at the very least, you know, it's not not saying it's the best question, but at the very least, it seems like they want to have a conversation with me. And I think that's, you're right. I mean, it's just being open to just what that first initial thing is and just getting to know them as people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's crucial. Yeah, and there's a lot of angles to look at that. You know, there's, there's a lot of angles. There's only so far you can go with that conversation of, hey, here's the pitch, here's the product. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and your, your greatest potential to generate a sale is based out of your connection and your emotional attachment to that. And not, not from a needy perspective. And, you know, I, I love that you mentioned the whole, it's like going on a date. I fall back on that. It's almost a crutch to me a lot of time mm-hmm. that, you know, are we operating from that space of lack of need in our life? Mm, yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's a recurring theme, you know, are we operating from a space of lack of need? Because that is a negative state of flow. Mm. Going back to that concept of flow. Yeah. Lack of need. I'm so glad you said that because I think one of the reasons and, you know, full transparency, you know, I see this a lot in the service industry. So whether you're selling coaching or consulting or some, some sort of service, I do see that a lot. I see that people like they get their one or three or four clients, you know, the and I see this when they're struggling that they, they almost attach their emotional worth to having that client have yeah. success or have good thoughts or get a good testimonial. That is a really, to me, that's like one of the most scariest places any business owner, regardless yeah. of having only one or three clients or the person has thousands of clients, you know, the idea that they connect their emotional worth to what their client's success and what they end up doing. It's, it, you're right. I mean, it really is a very dangerous place to be because then as a result, you start to, I think, blur the lines of what I think we're all about. For most of us, I think we want to have a happy, enjoyable, fulfilling life. I mean, that's what I want. It doesn't mean that I don't work hard. I work my, my ass off and I know you work your ass <laughs> off as well. But what it does mean also is I'm doing that for, to have time to go do my crazy tough mutter workouts. I, I do it because I want to be able to throw around my 14 month old. I do it because yeah. of, you know, I want to take trips down the Hilton head or whatever. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's the, you're right. It's that if we kind of can over, I think, step that need into 
our worth, I think that's where that's, that can be a really scary place to be. Yeah, you know, we, we attach so much value on that worth of approval. You know, we, we all want to have that knowledge that we have and an understanding from others, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we've got to kind of leverage that to where we're not basing our balance and centeredness off of seeking that approval. Well, how do you put balance for your life? I mean, like, I think that's the piece, right? I mean, it's not like, because I think what happens is, is I mean, people put that as the epicenter of everything. So I think you have to have something outside of that world that, you know, you just fall back on that kind of keeps you centered. So what, what is that like for you? Well, it's, it's been a long process. And there, there, you know, as I ebb and flow through life and I invariably place myself in the line of challenge, it's, it's, it's in my nature to seek challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that naturally backs you up where you're checking whether or not everything is in balance or whether or not everything is in check. Um, you know, I, some people find it in religion. Some people find it in, you know, meditation, seeking practices like that. You know, and then over the last number of years, I've adopted meditation practices, especially over the last two years. You know, daily, just taking that time to kind of clear your brain and say, Everything's all right. Even if it's for 10 minutes, everything is all right. And you know, it requires a focus. It requires a practice. You know, and it's, it's like everything else. I think that finding that level of acceptance with yourself becomes a practice and it's, it's never ending. Oh yeah. And you know, I'm a, a big meditation guy. How long have you been doing meditation for now? I've actually about eight years now off and on. Uh, you know, really saying, you know, it could be considered uh, a consistent practice in my life. Um, You know, it's like everything else. Uh, Up until about two years ago, I really didn't dig in and make it a must-have every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, over the course of the last two years, it's become a must-have every day. You know, I generally am an early riser. Mm Mm-hmm conducive you know first thing in the morning the house is quiet everybody's kind of still and I, I generally have nine times out of ten a conducive space where there's an hour window for me to just have my time and uh, it's what it is you just you just take that time and say this is the boundary this is the time everything else is is let go and you just let things flow <laughs> yeah I love that. I love, I love the idea. Cause I think that meditation is becoming more and more of a accepted practice. I yes. think years ago it was yes. a big thing now with, you know, I think mind Valley is probably one of the biggest proponents oh, of yeah. meditation as far as companies and organizations go. But I, I mean, I know now or corporate organizations are like paying thousands of dollars just to bring in people to, to teach their employees how to meditate. And it is, it's a great <laughs> practice. It's amazing that, um, the funny thing I always like to say is like my friend wants me to do uh, Vipassana. Uh, do you know what that is? I've not heard of that one. It is. Uh, there's a, there's all these retreat centers all over the world. And it's a, basically it's a 10 day, no talking, quiet. It's actually free. They only ask for a donation at the end of it, but it's a self-guided uh, style of type of meditation practice where they basically give you, sounds like your own little shack and they they feed you basically vegetables but you're not allowed to talk you're not allowed you basically meditate from the beginning of the morning till the end of the evening and uh, the experiences i've had my friends have heard and i've heard even on some other podcasts i'm trying to think of the guy's name it'll probably pop to me later but you know they talk about it being like the most life-changing experience in the world and you know full transparency i have a little one i, I can't find a time to get away for 10 days right now 
Yeah, you're you're at a challenging phase in life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely hard to find that space. Having that week retreat to you right in this moment probably sounds in its in its own little regard fantastic. Yeah. But I'm sure there are a number of people out there that that whole thought of sitting still and inactive for 10, 15, 20 minutes either sounds like such a challenge they can't achieve it mm-hmm. or complete torture. <laughs> yeah, and being a, and being an expert, I agree. I couldn't I imagine like if you asked me three years ago just to sit in silence, I, I probably would say, sure, why not? And I'd sit there and my mind would race, okay, well, I gotta get back to the email. Hmm, I gotta go do this. Hmm, I gotta go pick up this. You know, like my mind would start racing all over the place. Yeah. But you're right, I mean, it is a practice. And actually that was the funny part of hearing the story was I was thinking, oh, wow. So like what happens? He's like, well, people break down because when you're in such stillness for so long, that you start to bring up these questions that you probably thought about for the longest time. So he talked about how people would leave after three or four days. I could see that, you know, I could see it. When you think about it with sports training, you know, when you're doing an endurance level of training, there's a ritual and a practice to that. It becomes meditative, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, from my experience, that's when I've engaged in sports activities in high school, it, it was that routine of your mind overcoming that perceived block. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, every sport's probably different. Uh, what, what sport did you play in high school? I played football and basketball mainly okay. in, in high school, junior high. Nice. Yeah. I, and my, my brother was a football player and obviously I was a, a swimmer and, and I think that's the, the unique, that's what I love about sports in general. I mean, you can look at, I mean, the, the people that compete at the highest level, I don't care what sport it is. I mean, even if it's bowling, I mean, there is yeah. just some incredible <laughs> discipline to these athletes that are in these sports. But yeah, you know, I always tell people like what makes swimming a little different. And of course people, what I think people think about the most in swimming is that they think of the person who's training all these yards and all these hours. And when I think back on it, I think about, yes, there was a lot of hours, a lot of pain, but it's one of the few sports I can think of. I can't think of another one on top of my head where no matter how loud the crowd is, no matter how loud your coach, your head's underwater. You can't <laughs> hear anything. So you're having to go through these, these challenges and you have to really almost like turn your mind. And I can remember that a lot of the race strategy, whether I was building for myself or I was building as the coach, had nothing actually. To, I mean, of course, you're trying to figure out their energy systems. Yeah. But it was really how did their mindset work at specific points in the race so that when you knew that, oh man, they really start to kind of falter here, that you can put in a strategy to make sure that their mind thinks differently in that moment. That's, that's me was what was so, you know, amazing about swim coaching. I don't think a lot of people know when they watch. I think swimming is probably a challenging aspect for the average person to look at in regards to being a sport anyway. You know, that's, a, it's not one that you get a lot of the exposure unless you're watching the Olympics. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, I can see there's such a mindset involved in that. Um, in high school, actually starting in junior high, I was a lifeguard and had to go through the lifeguard training. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's swimming lap after lap after lap. It's dragging heavy weights off the bottom of the pool, swimming to the top, dragging that down the length of the pool and back several times. And you know, there's an endurance buildup in just getting your lifeguard cert- lifeguard certification. So you know, I can I can see in that sports where there's so many different angles to look at how that actually challenges a person. 
Well, especially it's funny because I, I was a, when I was a coach, like a lot of times when you were a swim coach, you had other responsibilities. Cause yeah. like you said, it's not a really money making sport like football <laughs> or basketball <laughs> for colleges. So you have to like, well, you better figure out different ways to bring value to this. Unless you're Michael Phelps, right? <laughs> Unless you're Michael Phelps or uh, I guess probably the person now is uh, if you, if anybody's watching this and they're up with swimming, I think it's like Reagan Smith is who I've heard is going to be the next big. Like, yeah. She's yeah. on the female side. She's going to crush it. And whenever, hopefully knock on wood, we have the 2021 Olympics, but it's, it's funny because like what I always tell people like, yeah, you could actually be a great swimmer, but that doesn't make you a great lifeguard, which is ironic. You know, you think that, Oh, great swimmers. Yeah. Lifeguards. <laughs> and vice versa, you know, I exactly. was, was capable to save a life, but I don't know for the life of me, I could have saved myself to swim in a swim meet, you know? <laughs> well, that's probably, and there's probably a lot of swimmers who would not last a day in a football, padded football practice. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and it's, it, you never know until the shoe falls on the other foot, you know, what, what it's like, but there's, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting angle. Let's look at that. You know, what, what is the mindset necessary to be a successful swimmer? Well, the, the first thing I would always say to anybody that wants to be a successful swimmer is this, the mindset of consistency. That one of the things about swimming, there, there's a, this is something people don't know, but there's always a, for most competitive swimmers, there's always a two to four year range where they actually don't improve their times much. Like, so think about that for a second. You're going to two practices a day. You're going to your weightlifting dryland session and you're spending four or five hours at the pool and you're just swimming and churning yards and you're getting your heart rate up and you're exhausted and your hair is now messed up because it's chlorine and your skin, you smell like chlor. Everyone says you smell like Clorox when you come to class <laughs> and you drop 0.2 seconds, 0.4 seconds not a lot of time like there's and what ha and that's a really challenging moment for a lot of swimmers because yeah. for most of the, what you see in most swimmers and how they succeed it's not this very gradual like oh they're going to drop a couple seconds this year next year etc it's usually they're stuck 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 and then boom they just drop like a ton of time like it seems like everything just seems to come together all of a sudden and the way i actually and I guess the analogy I like to use is something, a story Les Brown said at one of his motivational talks is that, you know, there's a bamboo tree, right? And you put this bamboo seed in the ground and you keep watering it, watering it, watering it, and nothing comes out for five years. Literally no plant comes out. And all of a sudden that fifth, sixth year, boom, it shoots up to hundreds of feet. And that's how swimming is. And I think that's the, the biggest lesson I probably have taken into my my life and it's hopefully I can pass down to Lincoln is that if you're just showing up consistently, good things will eventually happen. And often yeah. we don't control when it happens. It's just, you gotta be, be ready for it. Just be ready for it. Keep working towards it. So I think to me, the biggest, the first mindset piece for swimmers and probably, I mean, it was probably a life lesson, but I really do see that with swimmers a lot is that they quit before the magic really happens. Yeah. Yeah, you got to plant that seed and let it grow no matter what you do in life, absolutely, right? Absolutely, Derek. <laughs> you did a lot of things, yeah, absolutely. You know, in swimming, you're getting watered every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are, and that's the thing that you talk about it with, I mean, think, I, think with, I mean, you can say this as a life lesson. You know, another mindset sure. that, that people sure. say about as swimmers that I think goes under, um, not noticing much, is most swimmers are very calm. They, they stay very emotionally 
stable. And people yeah. you know me, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I can go up and down, et cetera. But I can remember my swimming career. Yeah, I've always kind of stayed in a very similar spot. I didn't get really too much up with the races or too much down because I think that real emotional thing would take its tool over time. And sure. That's why I see the difference. That's what I think is incredible about football players. When I look at football players, I imagine that, you know, for 10 weeks or in the NFL, 16 weeks, right? You've got to like basically get your energy up as high as you possibly can for that game day, right? Because I mean, it's yeah. one game. That's what it comes down to, et cetera. And you better be at this high energy level. So I always thought it was impressive <laughs> of football players because their energy and emotion go boom. And then all of a sudden they'd have to like let it rest for a week and then boom again. Um, but that, that's the biggest thing with the mindset of a swimmer. It's a very, it's got to be a steady eddy you know, very emotionally stable approach. Very, very kind of Zen in its practice. Absolutely. Well, I'm meditative, very meditative, in fact. Yeah, well, that's, that's where I could see the, the connect there. <laughs> that was an interesting. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you think about with the mindset stuff? I mean, like, obviously, when you look back at your, you know, life, like, because you got into meditation, like, why did you get into meditation? Or why did mindset become something that was important to you? Well, first off, it's just finding that, you know, state of calm, no matter what's going on. Sometimes life gets crazy. <laughs> Sometimes you got no choice. You know, it's back to that sink or swim. You've got no choice but to find the calm, to find the Zen mm -hmm. and choose center. You know, it's, it's a choice. So we, we, we choose how we respond and react to everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, out of necessity, I've, I've had my share of challenges. So. It was that or fall apart. <laughs> it's funny you said that because I always feel like sometimes a lot of this stuff is it's, you know, you love to say at all, like when people talk about meditating or talking about these mindset practices or visualizations, you know, it'd be great to think that it's always just comes from this internal drive or this internal motivation. But I think for a lot of people, it probably does come from something happened in their life. Some circumstance happened, something that they really, you know, didn't want to have happen made them really kind of go back to what you know, center themselves. So, but I think that's, what's beautiful. If you think about it is that even if something horrendous happens, if something terrible happens that, you know, we can find and recenter ourselves back to a, a specific mindset. And I love to use always the word paradigm with everybody. It's like, you know, yeah. what paradigm do you want to create for yourself? Because just like we are right now in this, this world, I mean, we have people that are, they're really hurting and they're really struggling. And then we have people that are happy. They're, they're feeling great. Yeah. They're feeling alive. You know, it's, we, we're always faced with that inevitability of being in a vulnerable position. You know, that, that's, that's our nature to fight to survive within us. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's always, how do you choose to come out in that? How do you choose to come out in that? Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, I think at some point there's there. I guess you know we've we've kind of talked about this before, but like the idea of sink or swim a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, I think about that. And when you said that, I'm like, I was, I, you know, it's funny you said that. I was like, I never really thought of it that way. I never really thought of it that way. But the idea of like you're going to sink or swim because I always we always just say, well, you don't sink, you float if you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> there's always, yeah. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes I think there's always that moment. It's like. Well, it's, that's looking at drastic swings, you know, yeah, yeah. and life's capable of having a drastic swing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Without, I think everybody, I do not think anybody came into 2020 thinking to themselves, hmm, 
everything's going to shut down all of a sudden. Everything's <laughs> gonna- there, there's some irony in that from my perspective, because for some reason I was hearing murmurs just about the economy. And I'm sure that's just, you know, if you look back and connect dots, you can, mm-hmm. you can see synchronicities. Yeah. But, you know, I was hearing murmurings back in, you know, June of 2019, July of 2019, that mm-hmm. an economic downturn was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, it did. Whether or not that was prophetic or whether or not that was a harbinger or anything, it came to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some irony in that. Yeah. Inevitably, there's some irony in that. But yeah, nobody, nobody, I don't think, you know, had the ability to say the whole world's going to come to a screeching halt. I don't think so either. And I, I mean, maybe somebody did. Maybe no, there's a Nostradamus out there that I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all figured out. I don't know. I, I do think that that is, it's, it does come down to this. You're right. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've heard it and some of my investments and the people that I talk to were saying the same thing. And I just, you know, sometimes I always, like, just because we've been talking so much about mindsets, I wonder if we just are, are, manifesting what we really what yeah happens. there's a lot of levels to that are we manifesting it or are we intuiting it yeah you know and that's that's one of those endless fascinations about the human condition that i constantly run into mm-hmm. you know and, and some of us operate on that surface level where it is what it is mm-hmm. yeah you know but from my perspective it's one of those things you know do we create it with the energy and momentum we put out you know, be careful what you speak kind of mentality because it comes to life. Words have impact, words have power. Our thoughts and our energy, same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think, you know, most people feel at some level, whether you believe in God or believe in the universe or how spiritual or whatever, I think there is some piece that everybody knows at some level that the energy that we do put out is often the energy we get back. And that's why I look at, you know, even right now, yeah. Yeah, of course, I see a lot of people and um, I actually spread a post and I, I can't remember all the lines in it, but it did talk about something like everybody's actually realizing that the money doesn't make the world go round. And I was thinking about that for a second. Yeah, what like, happens oh. when money stops? Yeah, exactly. You lean on people, right? What are we all doing now? We're, we're having to lean like a son of a gun right now. <laughs> and it's sink or swim. <laughs> it is very sink or swim. And then, but there's other beautiful things happening, right? You know, there's like, I think that there was a study done about the pollution levels are the lowest they've been in like, I think it's like 30 years. Some of the, uh, a friend of mine yeah. in Los Angeles talked about that there's not that pollution cloud that you typically see in spring and summer in Los Angeles hmm. right now. Yeah. Is everybody's home? Everybody's home. When you look at it from that perspective, has Mother Nature chosen to step in and say, shit's crazy down there. We're going to fix it. Yeah, yeah. We're healing. We're healing in some way. Even in some crisis way, I do believe things are, some things are getting healed. I really do. I think as people were healing, you know, people like, like people say like, well, what's the best thing that's come out of this for you? And I say, listen, the best thing that's come out for me is, Typically, you know, my son goes to daycare, you know, I see him in early in the mornings and late at nights, but you know, now we've had to shift a little bit and typically I take off Mondays and Fridays and now I get to spend those days with him in addition to obviously seeing him on the weekend. So this is time I'm never going to, I would have never probably planned the way I did it, but now it makes me think to myself, hmm, now I, maybe I can shift my business in a different way so I can yeah. take off maybe an extra work day during the week. And I think that's hopefully, I'm hoping people can see some positivity coming out of this. That's my hope. Yeah, you know, you're, you're going with that flow of things and sometimes that flow 
and nature in its own flow realigns us, mm-hmm. you know, shifts us back to where we're supposed to be. We find our center. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I, you know, maybe the, the blessing in disguise is that hopefully we don't need another pandemic to make us reevaluate <laughs> those things. Right. I, I, maybe I'm going to, yeah. no. my son is like 10 years, my, my son's not going to remember this in 10 years. Right. But I'm going to say, you know, we were all, everybody was stuck in the house and, you know, and my son's gonna be like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you <laughs> about? but, but I mean, there's definitely going to be changes that come out of this. And yeah. I hope that a lot of the changes for me, especially for a lot of the people that are entrepreneurs or business owners, I hope they look at and say, wow, there might be a different way to do business that you can both have the life that you want and have the success that you want in your business too. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's all how things come together. <laughs> I don't. So I'm going to circle around here a little bit. Let me look here at my note to, to kind of get back because we did go down such a tangent on that. But it's great. So, you know, that, that was the whole point. <laughs> Seeing you discuss a number of times that leaders are born to lead. You know, we're talking about this idea of leaders stepping up now. Mm-hmm. Um, what specifically do you feel is in our DNA or in the DNA of someone who was born to lead. You know, we're, we're in a moment now where the cream rises to the top. You know, we're talking about things flowing today. Let's look at the cream rising to the top. Mm, yeah, I think it's a great, and you really are touching on something that I have gone back and forth. You know, when we, for, for now, I mean, this is like, a, oh, this is before we launched the program. I mean, for decades. This is something that we've, I think if you look at the history of leadership and leadership development and leadership training, there has been such a, a divisive conversation about what's the right leadership. Is it servant leadership? Is it authority leadership? Are you, are leaders that are charismatic? Are they naturally born leaders? And then there's other people like, no, it's a skill. So everything can kind of happen. So I've gone back and forth and exactly what that means. And I've realized that my opinion and take on this does go against what I believe is being taught out there in the world of leadership. And that is this, is that there is no exactly one right way to lead, but everybody has that innate ability to lead. It's just the question of number one, what is that leadership style for you? And number two, how are you going to apply that? Whether it was, you know, obviously, of course, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, but this could be as a parent, this could be as a teacher, this could be as a principal, this could be, again, as as a business coach, whatever that role is. But most people tend to, I feel, get boxed they tend to box themselves into this idea of how it's supposed to be structured. That it's this very, I like to think it was a very educational process. You know, yes. here's class 101 and 102 and here's leadership 103 and 104. And listen, I have an MBA in leadership. So I, I've, I've gone through it all and I've seen it all. And there's a lot <laughs> of it that I just, I would say, let's throw it out and start all over. Because I think at the end of the day, most people aren't doing the deep dive work on themselves and what kind of leader they are. And then ultimately building their organization or their family structure, or their communities around what works for them as leaders. And I think once people tap into that, that's when I see, you know, we've talked about the word flow so much. That's yeah. when even the client, you know, the clients I've seen, they get successful time and time again, not because they are following servant leadership. They're not 
following this style, but they really said, okay, this is the leader that works really well for me. And I'm going to build the, my mechanism as a business around just that. It's a topic that I get a lot of pushback from people on, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or can't leaders grow their skills? Well, yeah, sure. They can grow their skills, but it's just like the, the uh, I know you said you love cliches and statements. Yeah. It's always my favorite. My favorite thing I like to say is, is like, listen, you don't ask a fish to fly. You ask a fish to swim and you don't ask a bird to swim. You ask a bird to fly. So often we're asking these people to lead this way. And they're not meant to lead that way. No, this yes. is how you're supposed to do it because this is how my role model, this is how my boss did it, or this is how my parents did it, or this is how so-and-so did it. No, 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 no. You're different. You're unique. You're special. So we got to uncover that piece for you. And that's when everything becomes so much easier. Yeah, and it's, it's discovering your place in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Discovering your place in the world. You know, what's our, what's our purpose? What's our intent? Yeah, without a doubt. With and you know this, this I know the values are important to people, and there's a lot of conversations about mission statements and and core values and those things. I believe I come through experiences. I, I look yeah. at it time and time again that most of us. I'm a family man at heart. Even if I didn't have a kid or a wife, I'm a family man. I grew up in a, a big family. We had huge holidays. And, you know, I, like I always say that my my little guy, yes, I mean, I have a, a brother and sister and I also have a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law, but he has like 25 aunts and uncles that are like my friends. You know, family to me is just really important. So that's a, a value within me. But that's not everybody's value and that's totally okay. That's wonderful. That's great. Whatever your value is, you know, I hope that you hold on to a dear and you hopefully bring that positive message out into the world. But more of the leadership I'm hoping people gravitate towards is this concept of you were born with something different. Like you were born to, to share your message differently. You were born to reach people differently. What is that? What does that look like for you? Just like um, I was talking about Jason earlier and Jason runs a huge IT, one of the biggest IT companies here in Pittsburgh. He's very successful as a CEO. And, but him and I are very different leaders, very different, very different types of messages, very different ways we talk to our, our teams and very different ways we talk to our clients because he's different. That's the most important thing I hope everybody gets. It's like, it's not about trying to change or trying to be, yes. this person is becoming more of yourself. Yeah, it's about selling that vision to the team and then finding where those pieces connect. You know, where where do the rest of the team fall in line? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that only happens when we open ourselves up to discovery, you know, open up what this person actually brings to the table. And I think so often we're trained to flip that around and put the set parameters. I need this out of a person. I need that out of a person. When I hire, this is the specification. Mm-hmm. And we limit by doing that because we don't look at the intangibles. Mm. Yeah. You know, what are the soft skills this person brings? What is the experience this person brings? How does their perspective influence that? And where do their areas of expertise really come out and shine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. And because there's like, right, you know, especially when it comes to leadership, I think the one thing that I think I see great leaders time and time again, and of course there's practices I see time and time again. 
And I think we all understand that the idea of, you know, we hear this, I think it was, um, oh my gosh, what's that guy's name? The, the, this, the head of Tesla, I can't think of his name now. It's Elon Musk, yeah. Elon Musk, right? <laughs> He's very, very well known for saying, you know, listen, I'm not a micromanager, I'm a nanomanager. <laughs> the idea that he is so on top of people. And maybe that, that, that style works great for him. But time and time again, you find that if you actually allow people to be leaders themselves, it's kind of like the idea, like, listen, if you want people to grow, are you going to give them the actual space to grow? Or are you yes. going to hamper them down and saying, this is how we've always done it, or this is how it's supposed to be? It's one of the reasons why, like, one of my favorite musicians is Harry Chapin. And anybody that listens to Harry Chapin, you know, he talks a lot about you know, people sometimes <laughs> being like put down by the man. And then, we're, we're holding people back. Hey, hey here, here comes another one. The seed that stood on never blooms. Yes. The seed that stood on never blooms because you're holding it down. Yeah, 100%. You got to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope people see. And sometimes I think that, you know, when we talk about that, the first step is, to do it for yourself, right? I mean, listen, I'm not saying that, like, none of us have it figured out. I'm not perfect by any means. There are definitely times I, I lower my expectations or I put barriers on myself that doesn't allow me to lead the way I want to lead, whether it's my team or be a leader for my kids or my nephews or what in any situation. But, but I think that does start with ourselves. If we're going to really ultimately get people open space, like most of the times we're not allowing ourselves to have that open space. Yeah, you know, if you can't lead yourself, how can you lead anybody else? <laughs> exactly. It makes it a lot tougher. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it does. And I've experienced that on a lot of different angles, you know, and I've put myself in that position from a number of angles. So, yeah, if you can't lead yourself, you definitely can't lead anybody else. Well, what's your, always your big takeaway with leaders? I mean, when you think about the people, whether you were running a team or any situation with the leadership, what have you always fallen back on that's worked well for you? You just got to be open, man. You know, the best success comes from being open. And that's, you know, you allow, allow that person to come into the realm. You know, you allow them to be themselves. And if, if you're stifling that, you know, you're the foot on the seed that's never going to grow. Yeah. I think that's, I really like that quote. I've actually never heard that quote, but. Uh, no, I don't know if you have. It may have just come out of the atmosphere. Jeffrey told me this quote about sitting on the seat there. I, 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 I told you, sometimes I just reach out there and I grab it, you know. <laughs> it, it's all about flow. And I, you know, I know we kind of discussed going in a number of different directions on that theme, but I think it's found its way, you know. Ultimately, the flow has to water the seed. Well, it's uh, the, you know, the funny thing about flow is, is, and I actually learned this going back to swimming. I learned this from a sports psychologist I'm working for, but there in swimming, you know, they always talk about work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. But, you know, the idea of actually really successful swimmers and anybody watches the Olympics, you see it, they just look so loose. It just looks like yeah. they're not, they're just, everything comes so naturally. And there is that kind of concept in swimming. And I see that a lot of times in a lot of areas with leadership. So I think when you're trying to force something, you're trying to really, if you, I, I, every time I've ever felt like I was trying to force a client, like those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get them into buying into this. The, especially young, when I was younger in my career, the, the reality when I look back at it is like, why? I should have been asking the question, why are they struggling to move in this direction? What yeah. is causing 
causing them pause? What is it? Is it the unknown? Is it a fear? Is it an unknown? Do we need to talk about that? Or is it because they really feel there's a better way? Like they actually think like, okay, well, that's great, but we could get a better result doing this. Yeah. I think that's like you said, where open, openness comes in place so powerfully. Yeah. It's just allowing people to express, allowing people to be themselves. I, I love what you just said about that. Yeah, I think so many times leaders can kind of get stuck in their own way that, you know, they, they think that is the only way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I've been guilty of it. We all are. We all are. We're We've been guilty of it, you know. This is, this is my will. I'm trying to enforce that. We're not creating a flow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we think we are. We're pushing uphill. You know, it becomes that Sisyphus. You're trying to push a rock up the hill. It keeps rolling back on you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny you said that because I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect example of a leadership mistake I made. So I was like, I, uh, I have a call here with my group coaching call here at uh, four o'clock. And so I was talking to, you know, like I was like, okay, this week we're just going to do it. What I call like a triple A, just ask Alex anything. I'm like, Hey, you can just ask write in your questions and give me this stuff, et cetera. And I said, I'll just get on, I'll just record it, you know, with, I thought, you know what, people may want to break from the live calls and may want to break from that type of thing. So I said, you know, this week I'll just go ahead, guys, I'll just record it to send me your questions, et cetera. And, you know, do it that way. And all of a sudden I wasn't getting any questions, which is very weird. I was like, (laughs) I just messaged somebody and they said, they said, well, Alex, I, I say, I can't speak for him, but I like your life. I'd rather get on live because sometimes I don't know what to ask. Like you bring up something I'm like, oh, that's what I want to ask. And then it was in a group, you know, chain and like there was a hundred people and they're like, yeah, that's exactly. We, we just, sometimes we don't know what to ask. And I'm like, exactly. Huh? So then I, I, I friend like, oh, I need, I, I need to be a better job in that call to give direction of what they should, like what each person should be asking. So, yeah. it, et cetera, do something differently. And, but you're right. I mean, I think that's the point is like, we don't, we make these decisions think, man, this is gonna be so smart. And then we look like idiots. <laughs> like, I'm glad that point come back around because that was a thought. And I think I drove my fiance, Leslie nuts with it this morning because I kept going back to this. We're not asking the right question so often. Mm-hmm. We're not asking the right questions. It's not that we're looking for an answer. We're not asking the right questions. Right. When we think back to when we were children, what did we do? Hmm. Mommy, why are we doing this? Daddy, why does that happen? Mm-hmm. You're constantly asking questions because you're learning not from the answer. You're learning from the questioning, how to ask the right questions. My wife will love this podcast because she's the person who says she loves to ask questions there. Yeah. And we shut that off. We shut it off with kids. Think about it. You know, as parents, we see that as a challenge. Quit asking so many questions. You know, Mm -hmm. so often, not always, but so often. Why are you being annoying? And then we're taught that to ask questions is bad or wrong. Yeah. It creates struggle. So it shuts us off to question mm-hmm. things. We're taught, don't challenge things, fall yep. in line. So we're subconsciously being fed to questions mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But unless you're asking the questions, you don't learn and grow. Well, especially if you're not, and that's probably the same thing we talked about. If you're not even asking yourself tough questions, because we've all done that. True. We say, oh, I want to lose weight or, oh, I want to you know, have a bigger business or, oh, I want to have a better relationship. Right. You know, we, we say these things, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. But then do we ask the question, well, what do I need to change to have a relationship? What do I need? To yes. But why? Yeah. And why do I, want you know, too so often we get caught on the one that we don't ask, yeah. but why? 
um, without doubt. You know, and that goes for great leadership. Get out of the way and let the questions yeah, flow. Absolutely. Because the answers are in those questions. The old Socrates method. Yet, you know, how, how many years, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know when that was, but it's amazing how even still today, it's uh, as much as, yeah, I, I like people, somebody asked me on the podcast yesterday, like, what are your three like favorite books and those sorts? Of, I've read yeah. so much, but every book I picked was like from the 40s and He's written and he's like, Oh, you're not into like the four hour work week. And I love Tim Ferriss. Don't get me wrong. I just like, I, yes. I think there's a lot of value that, that are just, you know, quote unquote old school is I guess what the solid truth, solid truth never goes out of style. Right. A lot of repurposing <laughs> and you're right. This idea yeah. actually, who was it? I mean, so, you know, and I know Simon Sinek and obviously his book start with why has been obviously a tremendous, has made a tremendous yeah. impact. Perfect point. Start with why. Yeah. It start with why, but Jim Rohn was one of the first people I ever heard that from. Like I, he has a whole motivational yeah. speech, speech on it. I think that's what's beautiful. It's just like, you can take amazing value from our history and just repurpose in a way that works for people today. Yeah, but if you look at things that endure through history, it's because it perpetuates the story continues exactly. to be continued. There's another chapter. Sometimes you get done with that book. What do we do a lot of times when we find a book? It's great. It'll sit on the shelf for a while, but when we come back to challenge things, when we come back to refresh that, we pick it up and read it again. Mm-hmm. And we see it differently. Yeah, exactly. There it was. We see it differently. We see a different angle. We see a different perspective mm-hmm. because we're asking different questions. Yeah, without a doubt. And we are different people in a lot of ways. We've grown. We ask different questions. We've learned different things. Just like I just read, um, reread uh, Alchemist not that long ago. And what I yeah. remember, read, I've read it like four times. And every time I come back with a different, different thought, different feelings, different, different <laughs> ideas uh, about life. So you're right. And that's, that's what's beautiful about books. And that's the thing is, is like you can go watch a movie. Um, I always find this, you know, cause I, I'm a big Rocky fan, but you can go watch a movie and yeah, there's movies that you can go back to and watch, you know, over and over again, but it's, it's still kind of as the same experience. Whereas I love books. Like you can actually read a book and you read it again and you can also have a totally different like experience with the book. Exactly. That's, that's so true. in a lot of things in life, because depending on where your feet are planted, mm-hmm. You're looking from a different angle. You're looking for a different answer and you have a different perspective. Without a doubt. hundred percent. hundred percent agree. You know, and then ultimately we look back and the dots make sense and it connects. You know, we, we get so busy on pushing forward. We don't take enough time to stop and look back at what brought us there to move us forward. Our, our connect the dots analogy from there. <laughs> <laughs> so connecting those dots and we've got to that point. What is next for Alex Kuhn? You know, where do you move forward? What is the legacy you leave for your son? Yeah, I, the, there, there was a, years ago, I went to a Brendan Bouchard event and there was this meditation that he took us through. And I tell you, not, it makes me, every time I do it, it makes me cry like a baby. So if I cry on your podcast, please forgive me. Out there. But it, it talks about how wherever you are, it takes you back to when you were born and you basically are flying across at different points in your life and you're looking at yourself. And uh, I don't want to give it away because I'm sure he's still doing it. There's a question, there's a based, long story short, he basically asks you the questions, you know, did, what did you want to look back on your life and what did it look like? Really simple. Yeah. And, you know, I've always actually gone about very, three very specific things time and time again. Like, 
how is it that I want to show up each and every day? And they really actually boil down to this, you know, beyond business, beyond a family, beyond my health goals, you know, what I'm doing, you know, number one, I want to show up compassionately every day. I want people to say, this is a person that really, he cared about people. He cared about himself. He cared about the work he did. You can really see that he put his heart blood, sweat, and tears into what he did for himself, for his business, for his family, and for the people that maybe he never met. Uh, the second thing that that's always been important to me is that I've always tried to be inspiring at some level, and not just through words, not just through trying to create another motivational speech, but just by how I'm showing up in my life and every day, you know, really saying, am I waking up at 4am today feeling like I'm ready to go and ready to roll on something. And then the third piece that I just don't think it's enough. I was actually talking to a friend who's now he's like, he's branding himself as the positivity coach, but I want to be positive. I'm an optimist. I'm a positive person. And I've, I've gotten the messages my whole life, you know, oh, yes. more realistic attitudes or, oh, you know, there's a, there's, there's this real perception, but I'll tell you, I think to me, positivity has been my best medicine to, for my health, for my relationship, my, yeah. my sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's really what I always wanted to, to stick to. But, you know, beyond that, you know, obviously a more, uh, true world sense. Yeah. I mean, my focus is, uh, is continuously, you know, growing. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a team that's helping me grow my brand to really reach more and more leaders and people that really are, they are called to be leaders and really called to step into a world and, and rise and help start their own movements and turning their purpose and movements. So professionally, that's, that's basically what I've been doing for the past three years, you know, I've built business before that, but you know, I sold my, my digital marketing agency and I said, Nope, this is the route. This is, it's going to take some guts and be some tough moments. And uh, obviously you know, we've gotten through those times and now, you know, a very successful business, but you know, I'm, I'm fired up, I'm fired up where I'm going. I'm fired up with the people that we're working with and uh, very grateful to have such tremendous support and uh, people like meeting people like you each and every day like this. You know, and the, it's all that compassion and connection mm -hmm. that creates the greatness in the leader. Yeah. yeah. It creates the greatness in the leader. You know, I'd, I'd thank you for sharing that. You know, this has been a great talk. You, you know, you've made me look at a lot of different new angles. And I thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on here, Jeffrey. And uh, just, uh, you just got the gr a great heart. It just comes across in this podcast. Well, I appreciate it. that. I appreciate you sharing your time with us, you know, bringing your insights. There's, there's great value in that. You know, I, I thoroughly believe you will go on to do great things in this world and you've already done a lot of great things. So just keep being you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I say that to you and everybody, just be you. Is that, is that kind of thing we said? Anyway, just be you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what the world needs now is love, right? right. That's right. Lots of love. <laughs> Lots of love. A fun emotion. Where can our audience find you and find a little bit more about you and your business? Sure, sure. I mean, I, obviously, you know, I guess we're in the world of social media. And so I put a lot of my, you know, I always tell people advice. If you're trying to do social media, I don't care how big you are, focus on one platform, make that your, your where your bread and butter is. And for me today and our team, we focus on Instagram. 
So you can find me on Instagram at Alex Kuhn, K-U-H-N-C-O. That's my handle. I believe you actually just type in Alex Kuhn into the search bar. You can find me there on Instagram. And I'm a, I'm a pretty open book. Yes, I'm probably sending about yes. 100 messages, 150 messages a day. Um, I, I'm a... You know, don't be shy. Just DM me, say hello. So what's going yeah. on? And tell me that you listen to hear hear me on this podcast because I love to know where people are coming from and how they're finding me. But and we're always giving away free stuff on Instagram and something that can provide more value. And I always tell people that if you want to go to my website, it's alex-coon.com. Always there, always here to help, always here to support. We got some incredible things coming up, and I'm really looking forward to helping as many of you. If this is if I if it feels like this is a great calling for you and you want to need help with it. Happy to support you on that journey. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate you, Jeffrey, and everyone out there. Please be safe, healthy, and well right now. Thanks a lot. You've enjoyed listening to our show today. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a review, or send a comment. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The seed that stood on never blooms. To really enjoy anything, you have to tolerate and enjoy the risks. How do we make risk enjoyable? Moving past fear and thriving on challenges. Finding our flow is really universal. Sink or swim.